Journey to Organization, episode 148. Rebetzin Batchen Grossman, and how to organize in your marriage. You're listening to the Journey to Organization podcast with Rebecca Saltzman. Advice to help you clear your clutter and your mind. Hello and welcome to the Journey to Organization podcast. I'm Rebecca Saltzman from Balagan Begon Personal Organization, and this week I wanted to answer the question, what should I do about my husband? Well, actually, I answered this question, or so I thought, in episode 145, but apparently I didn't do a good job. I said that you should focus on getting your stuff cleared out, and then everyone else will get on board because they'll see your life is improved, and they'll want the same thing. Then I got the question in my Facebook group, Organizing in Israel, which if you aren't a member of, you should join, even if you don't live in Israel. And the question went something like this. What do you do when your spouse is not on board with minimizing? Sure, he supports my desire to declutter, but then he thinks to surprise me by ordering useless specific kitchen gadgets on AliExpress. And then it just annoys me. He's trying to be helpful, but he doesn't understand that the more stuff we have, the more stress the house becomes. Now, the difference between this question and what I answered in the previous episode are that in this situation, the husband, in the theoretical way, is on board with his wife and decluttering in general, but he keeps adding to the problem and is missing the understanding that in this case, more is just more and not better. So in order to help me answer this question, I asked my friend, Rebetzin Badchen Grossman, to join me this morning to join me this week to answer the question and a few more questions about organizing in relationships, or maybe the better word here is streamlining in your relationships. And if you aren't in a relationship, stay tuned because I have an episode for singles coming up in a few weeks. Now, Rebetzin Badchen Grossman is a marriage coach helping successful women improve their marriages and their love lives. She helps hundreds of women connect on a deeper level to Hashem, themselves, and their husbands. She hosts a weekly live stream featuring topic experts discussing the effect of life stressors on marriage, such as money, time management, work-life balance, and health. She lives in Israel with her husband, Rabbi Avi Grossman, and their six children. Welcome, Rebetzin Badren Grossman. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad that you're here. So let's just dive right in. What do you think <laughs> about the question that was posed uh, from the group? What can we do, you know, when our husbands aren't necessarily the problem or it isn't that they're not on board with us. It's just that they're sort of contributing to the problem and they don't even realize that they're contributing to the problem because maybe it's their love language or what do you so think? This is, so this is so interesting. The first thing um, I definitely agree with you that we have to talk about the five love languages. And I have a class that I gave, and I'm happy to give it again, um, the five love languages and our relationship with Hashem, which basically takes the five love languages from Dr. Gary and up, you know, up levels it, our relationship with Hashem. Um, and we're going to talk about the five love languages in a minute, but I also feel like... Um, there is a really basic understanding that we need to get here is that your husband wants to make you happy. 
This is how they're wired. They want so badly to make their, their wives happy. And so it might be that he's mistaken in the way that he's doing it. So, you know, that's when we can really go and adjust those little things. But it sounds in the question that this woman wrote that her husband is on the same level. Like you were saying, they're on the same wavelength. They want the same thing, sort of, but he just doesn't know how. And so he's making these little mistakes that are irking her and making her crazy. Um, but there was some comments that, you know, went even deeper and talked about hoarding and how do you deal with someone who's such an extreme that makes it hard for you to, um, yeah, we can go there. <laughs> we could go there, <laughs> but, uh, for now let's stick to the basic because I think that, and then we'll go into the hoarding in just a minute, but I think that if we can first attack this on the like more basic level, we will be able to find a solution for a lot of people because I think hoarding is really, um, it's more, it's less common. Yes. So when I say hoarding, I mean, you know, like the light type, not the, uh, very extreme cases. Okay. Um, but even not- that is, is more rare. Okay. Interesting that you think that because <laughs> I have an aunt that used to take out her husband's stuff to the garbage without him knowing because it was just making her crazy. Really? And there was that really created a lot of, you know, stress in their marriage because he would bring something home and then it would disappear and he would get upset and he would look for his stuff and she would just like, I don't know, I don't know. And she would make sure to go to the far away garbage so that he wouldn't <laughs> find it because he once found something and took it back in. So it's, you know, it's these little things. Right. That you- it's true. That's actually one of my rules of organization is don't throw away other people's stuff. Exactly. And uh, I think that there's a real good reason for that. It creates a lack of trust and a lack of uh, safety. Yes. A hundred percent. It's a hundred percent bringing something in. So you don't want to take that away from, from, you know, a human. You don't want to make their house, not their safe place. Um, so let's talk about the five love languages. So okay. Dr. Gary Chapman has a great book that is really uh, been around for a very long time. And the five love languages are uh, words of affirmation, quality time, uh, acts of service, receiving gifts, receiving gifts, and yeah, physical gifts touch. touch. Right. So right here, you see that one of the issues is that he his love language is gifts and he's trying to express to his wife how much he loves her by buying her things and she's really not into gifts right (laughs) (laughs) that is not her love language so okay so some basics about the love languages everybody has all five but in different amounts so just like any other you know personality test or thing you have something that's very strong in you and some that you just don't get that don't really talk to you. And yes, you can learn the language, but it would take a little bit more effort. Right. I believe Hashem made it this way that opposites attract. In a way, it's the way that you, that you help each other and sort of uh, uh, complete each other. Complete each other. Okay. That's this week's Parsha, right? Yeah. This week's Parsha. Um, So it's the way that you complete each other in that, you know, one person, for example, I'll give you an example from my life. 
I'm words of affirmation and, and quality time. I, those are the things that talk to me. Those are the things that make me feel loved. It's the way I feel grounded and really good about myself, about the world. It's just, that's, that's what speaks to me. It's if you come and say, wow, Batran, you're amazing. You're doing such a good job. I'm so proud of you. That makes me feel so good. Okay. Okay. And the time, you know, the quality time, I love spending time with people. I love getting to know them. I love that interaction because it makes me feel connected and that makes me feel good. You know, that's why my website is connected for real. There's something about connection that's really deep inside me. My husband is totally not. Okay. Those are two things that are not his his languages at all. He is active service. He just wants to do whatever needs to be done. He's very methodical. He's very square about a lot of things. And it used to get, it used to get me really, really crazy. It used to, it was so frustrating. I'm just, all I want is for you to tell me you love me. You know, <laughs> that's all I want. All I want. What did I ask already? And for him, it was the hardest thing to do. It was like, like I'm, te- I'm telling him he has to write me a letter in Arabic. Like how would he even start? He doesn't know a thing. So he would break his teeth and, and really try, but it was never enough because it wasn't his language. Right. And it took a long time for me to really understand that I can't expect from him something that is just not natural to him. On the other hand, I do expect him to try and learn words and learn phrases and slowly get to know my language more and more. Okay. And he's been doing it. It's great. That's amazing. Um, but it takes a lot of work and a lot of practice. I leave him notes about exactly what I want him to say, or, you know, I'll, I'll it, communicate better because I understand that it's hard for him or I understand it's not natural to him. Um, with gifts, I never understood gifts. I never understood why people expected gifts. I thought that was really, um, I don't know how to make it sound nice, but <laughs> you know, okay. So gifts are not my, my love language either. Obviously I think that's pretty obvious, but, no, here's the th- obvious. Yeah. <laughs> but here's the thing about gifts that I have found because there are a lot of people in my life who, who use gifts as their love link or who, who giving gifts, receiving gifts is their love language. And it's true for a lot of my clients actually. I think what it is, is it's the, their way of saying, I was thinking about you and and the gift, gift, right. The gift itself isn't really important. It's just, I saw this and I thought you would like it. It made me think of you. It, it reminds me of you or it, it's something the, 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 the opposite of that is that it's something that I would myself like to receive. And so I'm going to give it to you. Right. So, you know, that's one thing that he really expresses is the gift is a physical representation of my love. And so I'm walking down the street and I see this rock and it's shining and it made me think of you. And so I brought you a rock. Now, if you give that to a person whose love language is gifts, they will keep that rock forever. (laughs) They will never (laughs) let go because it represents somebody's love to them. It represents something more than just a rock and so if you're dealing with someone who has you know if any of you is the love language who if any of your love languages is gift either it's yours or it's your husband's you have to really be clear 
about what it is that you would like. Because the more you express, well, before that, the more you know, you get to know yourself. And that's one of the things that um, is really beautiful in the book, The Empowered Wife, where she says, make a list of all the things that make you happy. Because if you don't know, then how is he supposed to know? Yeah, exactly. So, yes. So make sure that you first get to know what makes you happy. What are the things that would delight you? And then communicate those to your husband. And make sure that you give him the what yes list and not the what not list because that just leaves him hanging. It's like, don't buy me flowers because they die and it makes me annoyed, blah, blah, blah. Or, you know, don't buy me these gadgets because it just fills my cabinets and I don't actually use them. That's not helpful to him. It's not good for him to know what not to buy because he's still left hanging with what yes to buy. So saying things like, I love candles and I would love my entire counter to be filled with candles. Like you're giving him something that is a yes. Okay, maybe okay. it's not your thing or maybe it is, but whatever, find your own thing. I love that you write me a, a letter and I'll keep every single letter that you write because that's paper and that's something I can keep, but I can't start saving all these gigantic, I don't know what, you know? Kitchen gadgets. <laughs> <laughs> so they actually take up a lot of space and it's really, it's annoying because you have like a set amount of space in your kitchen and I could see why, I understand why people get annoyed. Are you kidding? It's one of the most useless things because it can only do one thing at a time. Yes. Oh, they're unitaskers. I call them unitaskers. Yes. So <laughs> I totally get this woman, but I also totally get this man because all he knows is that this is his way of communicating love. And he feels that she is rejecting his love. So it makes him feel really bad. And the last thing we want is to reject our husbands. And right. if his love language is gifts rejecting a gift from him is exactly like rejecting him in his head. Of course, obviously it doesn't mean that way, but in his mind, it, it really hurts. So what you want to do is think for the gift and for the thoughts behind the gift and then gear him towards the things that you actually want and need. You know, let's save up for this because that would really delight me. I really would like this more expensive thing that, you know, whatever it is, you know, would serve a purpose in my life or in my kitchen or, you know, a piece of jewelry that I can actually wear and think of you. So use your, I say use your words because my love language is words. So it, your love language is your superpower. Okay. And so my, my superpower is words. My husband was attracted to me because it wasn't something that he ever knew before. His parents didn't speak words. They, he wasn't around people who congratulate and tell, you know, say how much they love you and how awesome you are and how great this is. So for him, this was something great and he was attracted to it. And for you and for everyone else who's listening, they have a superpower that was the reason why they attracted their husbands. And it's usually something that the husband doesn't have. And so this is new to him. So that's the reason why it's hard for him to express it back. He doesn't know. He's never learned. But back to the words. So if my superpower is words, I would use my words to build my husband and to bring him up and say, thank you so much. I appreciate that you did this. And I love you so much. And this and that, whatever. Just as much words as I can use to express how much this means to me. And then use my words to guide him how to use his language better with me. 
because all he wants is to make me happy and show me his love. It's not like we're, you know, two teams against each other. We're on the same team. Right. (laughs) It's like, we forget this sometimes, but we are on the same team and we have Hashem on our team and we're here to, you know, to really do something in the world. We're not here to fight all the time and to get in each other's throats. That's not the point of this world. So the more we get in touch with that and gear our, our husbands to how, how to better love us and then also get in touch with what, how we can better love our husbands. Because a lot of times they get frustrated with us and we have no idea why, but it's because the love language thing is just so frustrating. Like I would sit right. there and talk to my husband while he's doing dishes and he's thinking, why is she just sitting there? Why can't he, she help me? So, because uh, his love language is acts of service. Yes. yes so yeah. I really go out of my way to try and do things for him. And so, you know how they say like, you live in this house too. You're doing your own dishes. It's not like you're doing it for me. No, no, no. Here I'm really doing it for him because whenever I do anything, I clear the counter. It's for him. I put something to charge. It's for him. It's so that he knows that I am helping him streamline his, streamline his life to, you know, in a, in a way that talks to him, that speaks to him. Okay. And it's hard for me. It really is hard for me. And so I can't hold myself to this like perfection level of like, oh my gosh, I didn't do this one thing. And now I'm, it's all over. I make it very clear that this is not my love language and that I'm trying really hard and I'm learning words and I'm learning phrases and eventually I'll get fluent one day, but it's always work in progress. Right. 100%. So just to sort of give my little takeaway on this, if you haven't read the book, The Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman, you should definitely pick it up and read it and learn each other's love languages. They actually have a really great quiz uh, on their websites that you can take together. And and I find that that was really helpful for us. Um, But when you do not have the same love language as your partner then because we have some men who are listening to us too so when you do not have the same love language as your partner um then you need to be clear about what it is that you need so that you can get what you want from your spouse and if you're not you shouldn't expect to get what you need uh no it's just you're expecting magic to happen (laughs) you're expecting (laughs) him to read your mind you're expecting him to just do research online and figure out what works for most women but you're not most women you're his wife and so he should be the expert on you not on all women in the world right and by us not communicating what's good for us and what we need then we're leaving them to these really helpless situations where It's either never going to be good enough because it's not unique to us and it's not exactly what we need. And it's just really all they want is to love you and to want to do for you. Right. So what about the women who are saying to themselves like, well, why should I have to like spell it out for him? Because that feels like it's not romantic or it's not like, it seems so obvious to, I think, a lot of people. And one of the biggest things I see is like, well, why do I have to be specific? And I, I hear the answer already coming out like, well, because if you're not, then like, you're not going to get what you need. But, but I think that there is this bigger aspect of 
I don't want to tell my husband every single thing because I'm not his mom. So I don't need you to be his mom, but there's something really beautiful that Brene Brown says. And she says, clear is kind. When you are, you know, in the book of uh, Dare, Dare to Lead, she talks about leaders and she says, you sit around thinking, why should I spell everything out? They're supposed to know their job. But then you have these expectations and assumptions and things that are supposed to happen or not happen. If you're not clear, then you can't expect the result to be exactly what you want. And so she really discusses how to communicate. How does this look? How does done, you know, paint the picture for me? What does it look when you want this project done or, you know, whatever it is? Clear is kind. So let's talk about, let's shift gears for a second. I mean, on the same vein, but let's talk about when a partner is a hoarder. And, and it can go either way. Sometimes it's a husband, sometimes it's a wife. Uh, I know you are mainly dealing with women, but in those situations, when one or the other is a hoarder, what are you advising people to do? And I, I'm not talking about like real, like level four hoarding, which I talked about in, I think, episode 75 in my levels of hoarding on, for World Mental Health Day. Like I'm talking about like a, a light hoarder, someone who, who, like you mentioned before, like in your aunt and uncle situation. So we said like, don't throw away stuff that doesn't belong to you, but what can you do when the other person has, has a, has a problem. And also just as an aside hoarding, like it's a slippery slope. Once you're starting, it can, it can definitely get worse over time. Yes. So first of all, I like to go to the core. I, I think that hoarding is a symptom, you know, there's like we were saying before, they're attached to their stuff or they, can imagine they're you know creatives and they can imagine what they could do with this thing but they just never get to it um there is a lot of reasons and you know this is sort of a symptom but i feel like the root from what i have found and i don't know maybe you know better because you deal a lot more with these types of people but the root in my opinion is this emptiness and so you're trying to fill it and just like people who are emotional eaters and they'll fill their emptiness with food and it just never goes away because the food isn't actually doing it, the stuff isn't going to do it either. But they keep doing it because it's, it's sort of a way to soothe that emptiness from inside. And, and it's a pain and it's, it's, you know, it's human and normal. And I think that when you realize that, then you can really have a lot more empathy and come from a different place of, come on, just stop hoarding already. I can't stand you anymore. Or like, how can we heal together? How can we find ways to fill that void without getting stuff? And so maybe it's getting more in touch with yourself. Maybe it's getting more in touch with God. Maybe it's um, creating more of a relationship of, of um, uh, experiences and not stuff. But whatever it is, just being aware of the root of where it's coming from and just sort of being there for them and holding them through the process of healing, I think that would really help both people, you know, because what's the point of fighting the symptom if you can just go straight to the core? A hundred percent. 
Okay, so look for ways that you can repair the deeper problem that is causing the hoarding and try to move forward from there. Yeah, and I okay. think that putting the em emphasis on the hoarding will just make the hoarding you know, grow because mm -hmm. what you focus on grows. So a lot of times we'll just put so much of our attention into, you know, we'll talk about our husbands. They always save stuff. Oh my gosh, I can't stand my husband. I can't stand the stuff. It's all over my house, blah, blah, blah. So you're giving it so much attention in your life. You're putting so much of your focus on it and you're talking about it and you're imagining it and you just see it get worse and worse in your mind. And you can already project the future of how terrible this is that you're not freeing him to solve it. You're not really focusing on what the solution is. You're just making the problem worse. So another thing is just to focus on what your husband is good at and strengthen that, you know, the positive aspect of all the things he's accomplished and all the things that he's good at and how wonderful he is with the kids and how much he loves you and how much he's willing to do for, you know, blah, 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 just the more you can focus on good, the more good will grow. And okay. then he will have the power to take control of his problems because we all have problems. I mean, so his problem is showing up as hoarding. Your problem could be showing up in food or your problem could be showing up and feeling like you have to be busy all the time because you're just not enough. We all have these emptiness and we all fill it in different ways. So focusing on the problem is not going to help him. It's not going to help you. I suggest not focusing on the problem and really being there for as assistance, you know, as our connecto also in this parsha, there to, you know, um, sort of back up, back the other person, be on his, you know, the, the wind behind his back, sort of push him forward and help him find the solution himself by freeing him from those labels of, oh my gosh, my husband's a hoarder. You just labeled him. It's not nice. <laughs> you know, right. don't do that. Okay. Free him, let him be. I think this is there's something so powerful about that, about just um, focusing, thinking on purpose. You know, Debbie okay. says, think on purpose. Forget all the automatic thoughts that are negative and that come up all the time. They're going to come up and you're just going to have to move them aside. And you have to think on purpose. Decide what you want to think. Focus on the things that you want. So if, if you want a house that, is calm and streamlined and there's systems work together let's build a system when you bring something new where is it going to go and then how long do you have until it has to move into its new home and if you're a creative you know put it put it, a date on it and say this thing has to become something before it goes away and communicate these things from a really respectful and healthy place and not from a controlling I'll fix you place. So basically it's setting expectations about what you expect to happen with whatever is going on externally. Yes. And the, you know, setting the expectations is always setting them first with yourself. Is okay. always, so what makes you feel comfortable first and then you can go to your partner with a list. Yes. As okay. it, I think that there's something so important that people forget. It's like, okay, go communicate with your husband. No, first communicate with yourself. Know what it is you want. Visualize where you're going with this and make sure it's the right train you're getting on. Because if the train is 
going in, you know, going the wrong direction, just don't get on it and rethink. And if you need to use coaches, use therapists, use people, use friends, use support groups to help you, but don't just do what is automatic if, if it's going to take you the wrong place. If okay. you could already see that this is going to be an explosion or that you're, you're not coming from a healthy place, then don't, don't talk to him. <laughs> <laughs> so when you do, okay. So, um, Yael Trosh always says she's the Jewish Latin princess. She always says she has these like money dates that she always says that you should plan out and have like a set time to have these dates where you talk about money because it, 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 it's this time and it's not like filled with tension and, you know, dismay because it's like this neutral time that you've both pre-agreed upon to have these talks about money and it sort of neutralizes the situation. So do you also suggest something like that? Maybe not specifically for money, but like, don't just launch into the topic of I need X, Y, and Z, like set a time, go on a date, say, you know, Maybe not we need to talk because that's so ominous, but, you know, some sort of date situation where maybe you have like a marriage recap once a month or something like that, like a, like a monthly physical for your marriage, <laughs> Kilo. I'll tell you what, I believe that you have to find what works for you. And for a long time, I was trying a lot of things that weren't working for me. Um, if, you know, even just in my personal way, like I was trying to take upon myself to pray every day and then it would fall through. And so I tried this and I tried that and I tried all these different systems. I finally found what worked for me and I was able to do it for the last two years. I haven't, you know, I've been very consistent. And what worked for me was the bullet journaling system where it's just one page that I cut out and I make a, you know, little cubes and I start tracking if I daven or not. Um, same thing with marriage. Some of you will find that marriage, you know, money dates are great for you. I haven't found that for my marriage, it works for us. It sort of flows more naturally when we go for a walk. So we make sure to go for a walk at least once a week and we just walk and talk about what is it that we need? What is it that we want? Getting into deeper whys of what am I here for and how can I support you and things like that. So I will But that's you your specific time that you guys know when you're going on a walk, that's your time to talk about things. So it is like a designated time that's like set aside. Yeah. It's just yeah. not it's just not sitting down like on the sofa. It's going out for a walk. But you know that if you go for a walk, like that's the time that things that's your personal time to chat with each other. Right. And I mean, um, you know, because my husband is uh, so computerized in his head, he's so organized in his mind. So a lot of times I just need to throw things at him all at once. Like, you know, first thing in the morning, I'll send him a couple of text messages with, you know, like you were saying money things and, you know, we need to discuss X, Y, Z. And I know that it will sit in his mind until it, until there's time to talk about it. This, I just sort of go with the flow. So an agenda. Um, You're giving him an agenda till you have time to talk about it so he knows what's on the table. Right. <laughs> um, you know, you find what works for you. Every right. marriage is, is a whole world. And, 
you know, we are two people and we're, we're here together as one and we're trying to make the best of it. Uh, I heard, um, uh, what's her name? There's a great podcast and I can't think of the name, but she said, if you want, you know, a, a guaranteed way to grow on, you know, grow and work on yourself, open up a business and start, you know, start a, a, a business. And I was thinking, what are you talking about? Just get married. And I'm thinking, no, just have kids. Forget it. Just do anything in life and you're going to grow because life is here to grow you. Right. 100%. You know? So it doesn't, it doesn't matter where you turn. You're always going to be in a place where things are a little bit hard or sticky. And then it forces you to grow. And then you look back, you're like, whoa, I would never have grown without that. But marriage is the perfect place where you really get to see it uh, take take shape is amazing. Okay. What are some practical steps we can do to organize in our marriage or streamline or automate or just make our marriages flow in a better way? Oh, I think uh, the mindset is the best way to go the prerequisite for everything is working on your mindset is seeing good is finding the roots and finding ways that feel good to do things. You'll stick to them. If you feel them, if you're happy with them. So really working before you do anything else, work on the mindset. That's, that is my top tip. I have on a, your own mindset. Yes. Yes. I have five surprising ways to improve your marriage and it's a great PDF that people can download for free. Okay. Um, it's all about your, where you are. Cause if you're in a good place, you know this, if you're in a good place and you wake up and your husband says, Hey, can you make me coffee? You're like, yeah, sure. And you go and you make it no problem. But if you're not in a good place and he says, Hey, can you make me coffee? Like, no, make it yourself. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> and it has nothing to do with how he asked for the coffee. It has nothing to do with the fact that he asked for coffee. It has nothing to do with anything but where you are in your mind. So when we can work on ourselves and strengthen our minds, we can improve our marriage automatically by just being in a better place. And it doesn't mean that he doesn't have to work on himself, but I can't control him. So there's absolutely no way that me trying to fix him is going to reach any good place. It's actually the worst way to improve your marriage is to okay. try to fix your husband. <laughs> I, I have to agree. Um, but what happens when there's like, when there's a, sorry, I'm going to ask again. What happens when there's a trauma in the marriage though, where you feel like you are doing your best, but something happens either all loss in trust or, uh, I, I don't know, just abuse or infidelity or what happens when things aren't going the way you need them to go. Life happens for us, not to us. And you know how when you're in a submarine and I wish you could see this, you're in a submarine and you have that little thing that goes do, 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 do. And you're like looking through the periscope. Yeah. yeah. And you're going, you're looking to the right, to the left. And it's like, do, 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 do. And you're looking for what's going on. It's the same way in our life. We have this periscope 
and we're looking at other people and we're looking at an external situation. We're saying my husband's fault, my parents' fault, my neighbor's fault. You know, he did this to me, he did that to me. When you do that, you're not gonna find the answer. But if you take that periscope and you turn it up and you finally look up at Hashem and are able to connect, you will find the answer. That is where the answer is. And that's a perfect illustration for life and what we're here for. It happened in the past, which means that it had to happen because Hashem doesn't make a mistake. And Hashem doesn't make things not happen when they're not supposed to happen. So this is something that really helped me because we went through something really, really difficult. And we went to Rabbi Attar who lives here on the issue. He's our mentor and he's amazing. And I said to him, how am I supposed to know what Hashem wants from me? All I want is to do Hashem's will. But how do I know what Hashem wants if he's not telling me what he wants? And so there's this really big frustration with where you think that you know what reality is supposed to be and it's not going your way. And so you're in this conflict all the time. And when I finally, when he, he, he gave such a good answer that melted all of my frustration, he said, Hashem wants what is. So if it's in front of your face, if it's in front of, you know, if this is life, then this is what Hashem wants. So stop fighting it and start accepting it. If you really want what Hashem wants, then you accept reality right now. And you take what is and you go with it. And so I'm not saying to just be okay with whatever happened in the past, but I'm saying if it happened, it had to happen and it was for you, not against you. It wasn't done to you. It was Hashem getting you ready for the next level, taking you up to the to where you need to be, you know, almost like preparing you now for what needs to happen next, just like you were prepared all these years for what happened now, right? Mm -hmm. So Hashem is always guiding us and he's always doing things for us. And when we turn and say, my husband's fault that we don't have a good marriage, it's my husband's fault that our house looks like a mess, it's my husband's fault that the kids, you know, are acting like this. All these ways that we blame our spouse, because you said some here, some people here are men. So yes, spouse, it, you can blame and blame and blame. It's not going to get you anywhere because you're dealing with, you know, people and the side, your, your periscope is to the side, is looking for who to blame. And the second you can turn up and say, Hashem, I take responsibility for what you need me to do right now. I am here for you. What do I need? What am I supposed to do with this? And sometimes it's, you had to go through this in order to help other people. And so you had to go through it. You wouldn't be able to help other people if not for the fact that you had to go through it. Sometimes it's that it happened to you so that you can be more empathetic or understand where people are coming from. So you become a better listener. You, you really, it, it shapes you. A lot of things that happen. And by the way, everybody has something. You know, some people, <laughs> yesterday someone said to me, what do you know? You're so perfect. I am not perfect. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a little bit, you know, hurtful. Cause like, what? I don't make it so, you know, I don't make it clear enough that I'm human, but everybody has something. And so like we were saying before, if it's, you know, if, 
if you fill your emptiness with hoarding, that's, you know, one way of filling it. And some other people will fill it with food and some other people will fill it with being busy and some other people will fill it with, you know, just numbing out. But we all have it. And Rabbi David Aaron says that you're born with a toolbox and you get all these things in the toolbox that you need in order to do your job in this world. And one of those things is going to be broken and you're here to fix something in the world. And so you need to go through that brokenness in order to get to the other side of being able to fix it. And it's just not fair to complain and blame and stay in the past when really what Hashem wants from you is to take what happened and move forward. Okay, and so does moving forward mean you need to stay in the marriage? Oh, I didn't say that necessarily. I mean, yes, I help women stay in their marriage. Most people who come to me, even if they're almost getting divorced or having a hard time with something, uh-huh. I haven't had one that actually went, went through with it. They, they usually are able to turn things around okay. and, and create a different environment in the house. Um, but I don't think that everybody needs to stay in the marriage. There's definitely times when you know best and, you know, Hashem made a situation where you just have to stand up for the truth or for your, you know, boundaries or whatever. So I'm not saying a blanket statement like that, but okay. I do think that you need to, to deal with the now and not with the past and also not with the projection of because the past, then the future, you create a future. You don't right. have to go into an automatic future. Okay. So it's one of those things where it's really work. It really is a lot of self-work, a lot of finding what's right for you. A lot of um, not just taking any advice or, you know, sort of like a generic, uh-huh. really making it yours. And, and that's why I love working one-on-one because I'm able to do that for people is I adjust things to them. So do you help people decide when it's, it's possible to stay and when it's a necessity to go? I help them connect to Hashem okay. so that it becomes really clear. Mm-hmm. Because once you ask Hashem, show me, tell me, what do, we, what do you want me to do? I'm here for you. I give up the control of being in control. Mm-hmm. I'm giving it up to you. I'm letting go and I'm asking you to show me. It is amazing how fast answers come up. People who were afraid to say, to cancel a meeting because the other person is really, you know, set this meeting and is going to go through with it, blah, blah, blah. And she just didn't know what to do. And I said, ask Hashem to make it clear. If you need to go, you'll go. If you don't need to go, you won't go. And the next thing you know, they call to cancel. It becomes so clear when you can let go and just hold on to Hashem Hashem will show you what needs to happen next. And so I can't show them. I'm not God. I have no idea. But I can help them connect to Hashem so that they can see, so that they have clarity and know exactly what needs to happen next. And then also stay emotionally healthy through the process. So if they need, if they do need to, whatever they need to do next, they're going to have that guide and you know support through it and a constant reminder to just keep connecting to Hashem. Okay. Um, finally, 
Is there anything that you think that we should know in terms of streamlining, organizing, or just what we can do to either for ourselves or for our marriages uh, that we haven't touched upon? Yes, I think you should make it your routine to look for the good and to be grateful. I think that is something that will streamline your marriage and your life in general. If you can, you know, we play games of putting a jar on the table and everybody writes something that they're grateful for, or I sit down and I'll write a whole page of what I'm grateful for, even if it's bad things or even if it's good things or just annoying things, I'm grateful for them because they're here. This is what it is. Um, I look at my husband and I give myself these like inner tests or challenges. Like how, how many good things can you come up with right now? You know, look, he's playing with the kids. Look, he's actually listening and look, he's, uh, you know, working so hard to help the family, whatever it is, even if it's the littlest things, it's important to train your eye to see good. It's important to train your brain to see what you're grateful for. And that will streamline your, your marriage. Okay. Excellent. How can people reach you if they want to connect with you? Okay. So connectedforreal.com is my website. I am also on Instagram and on Facebook at Connected For Real. Okay. And if you want to download the five surprising ways to improve your marriage, it's connectedforreal.com slash free. Okay. And I also have a group program opening up in November 1st where people can join. And we do this as a group where we really go through envisioning exactly where we want to go and then making it happen and really getting all of the uh, the barriers and the boulders from the way out so that we can get to where we hope to go. Okay. And um, you have a, a coupon code for the listeners today for the Up Level Your Marriage group program, right? Yeah. So um, the group program is called Up Level Your Marriage. And if anybody signs up and says your name, then they will get a free session with me um, as a bonus. To sign up for the Up Level Your Marriage course with Robertson Badrin Grossman, head to connectedforreal.com forward slash group. And don't forget to tell Robertson Badrin Grossman that you heard about it here on the Journey to Organization podcast for a free bonus. Thank you so much for joining us today, Robertson Badrin Grossman. Uh, we're so glad to have you here. Again, if anybody wants to connect with her, please email at advice at connectedforreal.com or head to her website connectedforreal.com. For now, I'm wishing you all a great week and happy organizing. Thanks for listening to the Journey to Organization podcast. You can find Rebecca on Twitter and Instagram at BalaGonBegon and on Pinterest as Rebecca Saltzman. Visit BalaGonBegon.com for resources and to join the mailing list to get podcast updates.